Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John Ledyard and Trevor Sykema on a hashtag Fan Friday. I use the hashtag Trevor because that's where everybody sent in their questions on Twitter. They sent us a bunch. We've got some good ones today. We also got a request to pick our all-chirp team, which we'll do at the end of this podcast. But first... Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to to look for tickets to a game or concert. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. $20 rebate off those to get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter the promo code LODRAFT. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LODRAFT, no spaces, LODRAFT. Enter that promo code today and you'll get your $20 off. Going to be looking for some Pirates tickets here soon. Going to be using SeatGeek for that purposes. Really good stuff from them as always. Okay, you ready, Trevor? Uh, I think I'm more ready than I've ever been. Well, of course. Is Buda Baker the most cleverly intelligent DB in the last five drafts? Just Matthew and Joyner come to mind. Um, I have no freaking – I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. So um, <laughs> I have no idea what happened in the last five drafts. But Buda Baker is very intelligent. Uh, you know, very high football IQ – I think he's one of the safest picks in the draft and teams are going to be like, oh, he's just not that big. And you know, where maybe he plays in the slot. And so we don't really, we haven't gotten with the times enough to really value that or value a guy that can play all over the field. And man, I, he's a top 10 player in the class and yeah, he's incredibly intelligent, uh, great ball skills. And people talk about how he didn't have that many picks, but watch his tape. He dropped like four. <laughs> and so he's always getting himself in position. He's just got to, catch and i don't know who knows and maybe that that plagues him his whole career but still you know i'm taking a chance on the guy who dropped a couple interceptions and plays defense and but is always in the right place to make a play on the ball taking a chance that he's going to start coming up with a couple of those yeah the only guys i can really think of um i guess not dbs i'm just thinking safetyest ones that kind of pop in my head that might compare to him football iq wise is uh ah, clinton Dix and then maybe harrison smith from notre dame i think those are two guys who are playing the safety position at a really high level um, anticipation wise for sure. Cause we see a lot of secondary guys who are uh, great athletes can, can even track and 
get themselves from point A to point B with good ball skills, but having those instincts, that football intelligence, that's something that Buddha had. Man, that that play that I'm sure everybody has seen by now, where you know he's playing in that off coverage role. I can't remember who they're playing, and he breaks on this pass to go pick that ball off right on the sideline and then yeah. gets his one foot about. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. That Colorado, is, I think it was. That is one of the most yeah. like important and impactful plays for a safety because Buda Baker knew what the route was going to be before the ball even left the quarterback's hand. And he was mm-hmm. there and he was turned around where the ball was supposed to be before the receiver even turned himself around. Yeah. And that's what playing safety is all about. So um, He went underneath I, yeah. a pick route, I think, on that play too. He had to go underneath it and still have the closing speed and to get up there where the ball was. It, 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 it was crazy, man. And that's I think that was one of the first plays that I watched before I studied him where I was like, wow, I, I, I have a feeling – I have a good feeling that I'm really going to like this guy. So he's definitely up in that conversation of those top – top three or five really intelligent safeties that we've seen in the past couple of years. Which player are you most curious in seeing where he lands? A lot of those guys in this class. Um, Patrick Mahomes definitely comes to mind right away for me because I just think that the guy can really, really be, if he can ever, and I don't even know if his landing spot matters a whole lot. It's more just on him. If he can ever change the way that he plays enough to play more controlled um, and less erratic. He is, I mean, people talk about the, the the arm, but that's just part of it, man. Like, I mean, when he's playing in in rhythm and, and setting up and, and the mechanics are flowing well, I mean, he's accurate to all levels of the field. Um, you know, he can throw a beautiful deep ball, obviously. He can thread the needle in a tight window. Um, he can do some things with his legs and play outside of structure, but – when he starts getting off of all that and, and things start unraveling, I mean, he, he honestly literally looks like an undraftable quarterback at times. So just that high variance aspect with him was what pushed him into the early second round for me. But he's a player, if I were a team, you know, with a need at quarterback, I would, I would bank on him given his work ethic and, and his drive and all of that that he brings to the table. And so I'm excited to see where he lands. Another guy that I don't think gets talked about in this conversation at all, but I think it's absolutely crucial where he lands is Mitch Trubisky. And I said this on a show the other day is that Mitch Trubisky's landing spot is probably more important than any of the other quarterbacks to me. You know, you could argue wow. Kaiser, but I think because he's not ready at all. Like, I mean, not, not to start, but to play at a high level. So if you ask him to go in and be the guy for your offense in a team, he's going to get destroyed. I mean, like, He'll be a bust. I really think that because you know he people say he's going to be the next Blaine Gabbert. People who don't like him, he's only the next Blaine Gabbert if he gets thrown into the fire like Blaine Gabbert did in the worst situation imaginable. I mean, mm-hmm. not that and, and Trubisky's far more talented than Gabbert was, but that's what happened with Gabbert, and that is what will happen with Trubisky because he only has one year of experience. If you watch him on the field, you know, teams that rolled coverages and sent exotic blitzes at him confused him and really gave him issues. I don't care about his mechanics as much as other people do. I think they're fine. His arm is terrific, I think. I think his demeanor is terrific. I think he's committed to the game, and he will learn and get better. But it's his confidence, it's, it's, and it's all those mental aspects of playing the position, recognizing coverages you know when they're rolled pre-snap and making a decision based off the new information that has been presented to you and I don't think he does that particularly well right now it's not overly concerning to me because he has one year of experience and obviously teams were going to throw some stuff at him but you know, physically I'm not worried about him at all I think that he's a sharp kid he's a great athlete his arm is being undersold probably because he's in a class with Mahomes I think he has a terrific arm I think he's generally pretty accurate um, I just think that 
he can be broken by the wrong spot where a team asks him to do too much and the NFL defenses are going to eat him alive. And then the confidence starts to take hits and then things go downhill from there. So I think his landing spot, super important in the NFL. Yeah, I, you know, really any spot in the NFL, we talk, we, we like to think that, you know, we do all this research, we know all these prospects, we talk about what they, what they can and what they can't do. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's where they get drafted that means the most, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's the coaching that they get from certain guys. It's the first scheme they're they're taught when they get into the NFL. And we often think that hey, the NFL is this golden standard, and once you get there, they know exactly what the right thing to do is with this player and this player. That's not always the case. So, in terms of like fit, where where players land is a big deal. And like you said, like quarterbacks, like you were saying, mean more than probably any other position but I think the second most position of where it means something is running backs and and this year especially so the two I mean the two that I'm really eager to see where they go are the two guys at the top you know Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey I just wonder where they go because McCaffrey you kind of look at him as who knows what he could be he could be a weapon in many different ways and it's it's less of a it's less of a you might blow it with McCaffrey as much as it is, oh, I wonder what they're going to do to get the best out of him. For Fournette, it might be the other way around. You're looking at a running back who is much more of a power style, much more of a bell cow style, who not great from the shotgun. We know a lot of teams are going to the shotgun format. And you could say, eh, you know, even if he goes to the wrong system, the wrong fit, it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin his career. Well, I mean, we think about running back, even if he gets even if he's in a bad spot and he gets cut or traded or something after three years, it's still three years of wear and tear and hits on a running back that you just can't get back. So playing young when you're a running back is a big deal, especially for a guy a, a guy who also has a chronic ankle injury, which he does. So I really want to see Leonard Fournette go to a good team that uh, is going to let him run power. They're going to let him do what he does best, and we can get – we can see the best out of Leonard Fournette early because that it's really needed for him, especially at the running back position. So, yeah, that's a good good pick as well because I think his landing spot is also important, and a lot of people wouldn't have said that. <clears throat> um, Obi, Trey White, Quincy Wilson, Humphrey, Watt, and Jared Davis are available. Who do you think Pittsburgh will pick? I, I think mm, this is tough, but I think uh, Marlon Humphrey would be the guy that I would want them to pick. And T.J. Watt or Jared Davis. I think T.J. Watt or Jared Davis, if they're available, are going to be who one of the Steelers are going to pick one of those guys. And I'm not a big fan of either. I at least can get on board with Watt's upside at a, at a position that is really important. I don't think the Steelers really have a needed inside linebacker. I, I'm fine with Vince Williams there. And so um, I wouldn't be a crazy fan of that pick. So I think one of those guys will probably be who they pick. Um, but Marlon Humphrey's who I would pick, man. I mean, he's a perfect scheme fit. Uh, I think he can do some of the main coverage stuff they want to eventually work in, but good zone corner ball skills and still very young, but also could contribute and start right away. I mean, started at Alabama the last two years, played at a high level. So Humphrey would definitely be uh, my pick for, for the Steelers there. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna say Quincy Wilson. And That's I your boy. Out of, that is my boy. Uh, out of the group that was named – I think that if there are a diff- there's a different pass rusher there, like if Tim Williams or Carl Lawson or even I don't know like Charles Harris would be there, I think they would pro- they would probably lean towards taking a pass rusher first. But out of that group, I like Humphreys and Wilson more than I like them taking Watt, and I like Wilson more than I like Humphreys. So that would be my I think I think Quincy Wilson is a, can be a true number one corner in the NFL. So. Hmm. 
What past or present NFL player's end zone dance is your favorite, and what would be your end zone dance? Eric Herman, but the tough questions. We, ca- we we talked about a couple before we went on the air. All right, I don't know if you call this being on the air, but before we started recording, <laughs> whatever you call it. Um, and I think one, some of the ones we remember the most fondly were Terrell Owens. I remember the Sharpie. Uh, it was, I think it was against Seattle. And he caught, I think it was a game-winning touchdown or something, and he pulled the Sharpie out of his sock and, like, signed the football or a towel or something. Yeah. That was freaking amazing. It's it's literally, it's so depressing to me because it was so much fun, man. You Terrell Owens running out of the star in Dallas and George T going and clocking him. I mean, some of the end zone celebrations out there in the past have been freaking phenomenal, and now the NFL takes all that away from us. Dude, when he, when he ran to the star, that was... That was savage. I love that. Um, oh another God. one. I, another one that I really love that just pops in my head is obviously the the Randy Moss Moon one. <laughs> <laughs> that one. I just like just like the, everything that went into that. The how it was Packers fans and I. I don't know, man. Randy Moss is just he's the man for that. And then I mean, savage. we can't talk about we can't talk about touchdown celebrations without talking about Chad Johnson, right? Or Ocho Cinco, however you want to say it. Like oh, the yeah. CPR one. Uh, the one where he goes over to the cheerleader and and proposes to her, or when he scores a touchdown, goes to the sideline, and they have that gold jacket, that Hall of Fame jacket, ready for him. Like he has right. been, oh, I don't know, like he, he took it. He took it into like it was his, it was truly his responsibility to do it, and that um, I just have so much respect for putting that much effort into the celebration. Because man, let's dude. Touchdowns are cool. Like right. touchdowns are the reason you play. You play to score touchdowns. So when you score, heck yeah, man, rub it in somebody's face. Right. I'm all exactly. about it. Oh yeah, it's why we're picking the all chirp team today. The more trash you talk, uh, the more disrespectful you are to another. Not disrespectful, but you know what I mean. Like football's it's a it's a competitive game, man. Show some edge with it. I love that aspect. Remember when Joe Horn had the phone in the in the field goal post yes and he yes. pulled the phone out and he called, and he called it. that's genius <laughs> it's freaking that's amazing genius. i mean if i if i had to celebrate one like i love the dunk over the goal post one but yeah. that's kind of like that's kind of boring so i'd have to do something else so in my mind right if i'm in the nfl i'm i'm 5'10 but if i'm in the nfl that means that i can jump pretty dang high and uh so i can still dunk it over the goal post so what i would do is i'd have like four of my teammates stand in like a line like it's a slam dunk contest and to have another one of my teammates like throw me up an alley-oop or something and i'd slam it into somebody else like either like holding the goal post or like whatever and then i would have my other teammates like hold up cards of whatever my <laughs> score was just to be a dick that's man. actually amazing that's, that's i don't know that's what i would do because somebody somebody i think the afl or the cfl no 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 i think it was the arena football league he scored and they did like this whole like drama scene with him like dying or whatever and somebody bringing him back to life and then the other people picking him up on the cart and like running him to the ambulance or so I don't remember where I saw that I got to post it it was I was crying laughing the whole time There's these two. people were creating it's it literally I mean that would be one of the more fun aspects of the game if the NFL didn't suck um, very true <laughs> Chris Godwin will be the number blank Wide receiver taken off the board. Fourth. You think fourth? I say it is John Ross, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, Chris Godwin. I agree about the order of the first three. I think Juju Smith-Schuster comes off the board before Chris Godwin. But then it's probably Godwin. 
Yeah, I think it's probably Godwin at that point. Bucky Hodges is kind of a wild card if you consider him a wide receiver. <clears throat> he could be in that mix somewhere. I don't. You know. really? Oh wow! You really think so? Uh, that he's a wide receiver, or that he could go that no, high? No, that he could go that high. Yeah, I think he could. Uh, I don't know. We're talking about probably mid. Are you, are you talking early second round at this point? You think you see Godwin coming off the board? I think I see more mid to late second round. I think Hodges could come off the board. I don't think he should. I have I have a mid to late third on Hodges. But I think the team's interested in his size and speed. I mean, his tools are great. There's no question. I feel like teams always fall in love with that kind of stuff and huge mismatch potential, obviously. And so, um, yeah, I could see a team pulling the trigger in that range, to be honest. All right. One of those ballsier teams that doesn't really care about what the norms are. (laughs) If you had to bet $15 on a team in the top 10. 15? 15. That's all your money, dude. What you going to do? Dude. God. It's either – it's either a free trip at Chipotle or one less trip to Chipotle. Oh, goodness. Wait, you spend $15 when you go to Chipotle? Um, so I can't remember the last time I've gotten like a single portion of meat. I always get double meat. Well, and sure. then, you know, if I'm feeling it. Then, I would never know, get enough to eat bucks. at Chipotle. About, I mean, that's I'm, about 14 bucks. I'm 6'3", 235 pounds for people who don't. And I would never get enough to eat at Chipotle. Like it would never. I would just, I would have to get, I would spend 15 bucks if I were going to eat there. You know, that's what I would well, do. I normally um, do. If you had to spend fifteen dollars on a team in the top ten, most likely to trade out of their spot, who would it be? I'm going with the Jets. I think the Jets could trade out because the Jets are in a similar situation to the Browns, even last year when the Browns traded back. But you know, even now the Browns aren't really out of the doghouse. But the Jets are cutting their old guys, getting rid of them, rebuilding with youth, stockpile picks. You know, there's no if there's nobody you love at six, trade down a couple spots. I mean, you know, help yourself out if you, if you have a suitor. I mean, that's going to be the thing. Will we'll, a team want to trade up with them? But to me, that makes the most sense, and I think that the Jets uh, moving out of that spot um, could be the most likely one in the top ten. I. I think before we went on, I said that it was going to be the Bengals, but I'm going to change my answer and I'm going to say the Jaguars at four Mm. because I think even though the Jaguars could use uh, one of those premier players in the top five, um, they're they're not going to pick a quarterback at that pick. And I think that another team is. And I think quarterbacks are going to go a lot higher than we think they are because guess what? That happens every freaking year. Mm. So it's not going to be any different this year whether you think that they're worth it or not. So if, like, let's say the Browns really want to get – like if they they pick Miles number one, hopefully, God, please, um, I will go insane – so if they pick Miles number one, and then they still want their quarterback, you know, one like Watson or Trubisky, one of the two might probably be around at four. They're gonna pop back up and get them. You know what I'm saying? So like right. that's just a, a scenario that I could see where Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville's number and their pick position is ripe for a trade back for the most value. I think that yeah, that makes sense. But the Jaguars are gonna take Leonard Fournette, so that's gonna negate that. But. Um, that's what I think anyway. I think the Jags are going to take Fournette. I think they love him. I know. I think they love him though. I I don't, I don't agree with it, but I think they love him. Um, who do you think is going to be that day three player that we look back and say, man, he should have gone higher. This is a tough one because we don't know who's going to go day three. There's a lot of guys like that would be fringe area that could fall to day three that I would say, Oh, but I mean, 
I obviously have thought this about Joe Mathis for a while. I know he's going day three or and he might even go undrafted, but everybody who follows me knows I like Joe Mathis, the Washington Eds. There's just not enough. There's not a big enough sample size of tape for me to really hang my hat on, even though he was so impressive in the games he played this year. Um, it didn't really click for him this year. He had trouble picking up Washington's defense by all reports and really committing himself more than anything. But he, he's married and has a kid now. It's supposedly that I'll change that, but he couldn't work out at the combine and an injury derailed his season. And then when he worked out um, at his personal workout the other day, I got the numbers back and they are not pretty. And he was, he was a little bit heavy. And so <clears throat> I just think that there's so many concerns that it's basically to, to me, if, if Joe Mathis doesn't make it in the league, it's good. People are going to say, "Oh, it's he just wasn't you know talented enough." Because he, he isn't a, he isn't an elite athlete, but he has all other elite traits. You know, powerful hands and uh, a variety of rush moves, and uh, he 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 could definitely play in this league. He can start in this league. People are going to say that if he doesn't make it, but really it'll be because he didn't commit himself fully to everything that it takes to be successful in the NFL, especially for a guy with athletic limitations. And, and teams aren't going to wait around forever with a guy without a for a guy without a high ceiling um, that's had some issues in the past. So. I think he has a ton of potential, but he's got to work hard to build on it. Um, I think Vince Beagle from Wisconsin is a guy that will probably go day three that's going to make an NFL team and be a starter in the NFL. And um, I think he can be a productive edge or he could potentially play off the ball. He's a good athlete, uh, very smart, plays terrific hand usage. He might sneak into round three. I don't know. I just haven't heard anything on his stock. Um, Tedder Thompson's another one. Man, you don't want him anywhere near the box. Uh, he's probably not going to tackle anybody, but – um, I shouldn't say that he will tackle people. He's not necessarily good at it and he's not going to take on blockers or, or, or love the physicality of playing in the box, but ball skills range, even some man coverage ability. I know he didn't test great either, but he looks like a way better athlete on tape and he would be another guy that I'd highlight. Uh, my two that I guess I'll go with are first wide receiver, Demore string fellow, my boy. Um, he's, you know, when I watch him at old miss, uh, really got a first look at him when I was just watching games live. I hadn't heard of him, and I thought that he this year was uh, other than Evan Ingram, you know, as wide receiver's number one option for Chad Kelly. And a lot of what he had to do was winning versus people one on one. And he didn't do it a lot with separation, but he did it a lot instead with um, good hands, timing his jumps, being just knowing how to use his size. And I, I really like a wide receiver that can dominate people one on one. And I thought that. Stringfellow did that a lot, as well as he showed uh, he showed some pretty good down the field speed, and wasn't able to, was not invited to the combine because of uh, pass that got him, you know, kicked out of I think it was Washington was where he was, uh, I can't which yeah, which which landed him at Old Miss. But I think this is a guy that's really being slept on. He he had a great pro day. I can't remember exactly what his numbers were, um, but it was really really good. And I just think that he is a, a wide receiver who, if you're picking one in the in the third round, you're looking at a guy who could really contribute to your team if you get the most out of him. So uh, I like Stringfell a lot. And then I guess if I'm naming another guy, I'll say Jordan Lewis from Michigan, mm-hmm. just because he's just because he's such a good football player. Yeah. And he, I mean, like he's small and he didn't test the way you wanted to, so it's not like you could take him in the first three rounds. So he's for sure going in that day three. But man, he is. You know, if 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 you put him in a certain role, maybe make make him an exclusive nickel corner. He could turn into one of the best nickel corners in the league when it comes to matching up against those smaller wide receivers. Now, you know, we get into that. We're going to get into that problem, and the reason why he's going to be a day three guy is because, well, what happens when they put tight ends in the slot? Well, then Jordan Lewis got him in trouble. But um, I'll just say that there's there's a chance from from a guy who I look at and I just think is a great football player overall. So he has that domestic violence too. Remember, so. 
Oh yeah, you're right. He could go undrafted with that. To you're, be right, honest. you're right. You're uh, Because his size and yeah, not great testing, but yeah, I mean, incredibly productive in college. He's going to make an NFL team if you go. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but yeah, he's he's going to make a team. Um, you know, he's he's a good player. Um, a day three edge who could have ten sacks. We'll go through all the. There's a couple. A day three, a running back who could have a thousand yards, wide receiver. But we'll start with edge who could have ten sacks. Uh, I'm going to say Deshaun Hall from Texas A&M. Mm. I thought that when I watched Miles Garrett's film, there was an awful lot of Deshaun Hall flashing on the other side, and I was like, "All right, well, who's this guy?" And and you know, we saw him at the Senior Bowl. Got a first look at him uh, versus kind of the rest of the competition. I thought he was. It was really – I thought he was like great the first day. Mm-hmm. I thought he owned the first day, and then it was almost like he coasted the other two. I was like, okay, what's you know what's going on with that? And uh, just the most get it talks about this. He talks about being like the hands-up champion or mm-hmm. something like that. I hope I'm not butchering that. But it's, uh, it's you know, when, when def- defensive ends can get their hands above their shoulders and above right. their eye level, right? So it, it means that they're owning the leverage on the play. Right. And he noted that Deshaun Hall was consistently the best defensive end at the Senior Bowl at doing that and making sure that he was always winning the leverage. But it was just – it was weird because, like I said, I, I – it's like he dominated the first day. Right. And then he knew he dominated the first day. So I don't know. I, I do think he's going to be a day three guy. But I think in terms of potential, like what you could possibly get out of him, uh, yeah, he would be my pick. He's only played a true D end role for one year too. I th- I found that surprising when I when I researched him. Yeah, I don't think he has any idea what he's doing as a pass rusher right now, really. But Texas A&M didn't really develop him either. They kind of had him just crash gaps and you know be like gap slanter type guy and and they, for their exotic packages. And he didn't get a chill out of chance to just work one on one as a pass rusher. He kind of told me that in Mobile too. And so he's working mm. with someone to work on his pass rush skills and things like mm. that. But definitely a high ceiling. He's probably going to go day two, but. I think that um, he should go day. I have him day three as well. I just think with his tools and his testing, um, somebody's going to fall in love with him. They always do. Um, running back who could have a th- – oh, for the edge who could have 10 sacks, I'm going to go with either Mathis or I think, you know, depending on who you think will go uh, day three um, off the board. Um, I think Mathis is probably one of the guys that I think is, is a good choice for that one uh, if he gets right. But, again, it's such a big if. I think Juan Price from Pitt – I don't know if he'll ever get to 10, but I think he's going to be a pass rush specialist for a team. He's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He, he knows what he's doing, man. He's, he's just like, so small. Yeah. He's like the opposite of Deshaun Hall, to be honest. Like, really well-refined, but, like, doesn't have any of the tangible size that you want and has was in college for six years and, you know, is maybe maxed out and missed three years because of injury. And he has all those, like, peripheral stuff that's, like, red flags, but – I mean, he's a good, good dude, you know, you know, obviously a hard worker and everything, high character, but just has all those other red flags kind of that will push him to day three because he's 5'10 and 7 eighths. <laughs> right. Um, running back and wide receiver who could have a 1,000 yards that are going to be going off the board on day three. I'm going with Jamal Williams for running back and day three wide receiver that could have a 1,000 yards. Ryan Switzer, baby. Ryan freaking Switzer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Right there. Um, running back who could get a 1,000. Who did I say? Samaj P. Say? Ryan, dude. No, P. Ryan ain't going day three. <laughs> get out of it. I'm going to – We we talked about this. It's happening. Have a run on my note card here. in front of me. P. Ryan, uh, day three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess – I don't know. I'm not picking P. Ryan because he's going day two. And um, 
I don't know. I guess God. I guess James Conner. If I'm taking a guess, mm, running back yeah, for that a thousand. was a hard one. I don't know if any of those day three guys will. I don't know. I guess I'll pick that. And then uh, the day three wide receiver that could have a thousand yards. I think it's easily Ishmael Zamora. I easily. Oh, yeah. um, I just that you love guys, him. I mean, the guy is a freak athlete from Baylor. And don't get me wrong. Like I understand that there's certain limitations on him, but um, I'd be higher on him than others just because he's played what like. I don't think he's ever like played an actual starting role for a full year, and the dude's just a crazy athlete. And we've seen crazy athletes from Baylor in the wide receiver position come out before. And I'm not saying that he's Josh Gordon, but there are other examples of wide receivers from Baylor who are just you know they're, they're getting a lot of these athletic guys who are just, just can jump out of the gym, who can sprint with anybody, who can turn on a dime, all of this stuff. And uh, I think Zamora is incredibly raw as a player. But I think that there is so much there. So if you're talking about a guy who might be able to be a 1,000-yard receiver, um, I think he could possibly be like a Martavis Bryant kind of guy. Yeah, I think that that's uh, the the things with Zamora. The, there's obvious questions I think that exist there. But I think that you know, in, in the off the field stuff included. But I think that if the team can get him right and and use him the way that he, the way his strengths indicate he should be used right now. I can really get on board with um, with uh, him being a, a more high-profile pick, similar to how Bryant had to be used in a specific way by Pittsburgh, I think. I know he gets compared to him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O Draft. L-O Draft, no spaces, obviously. L-O Draft. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O Draft. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter slash L-O Draft. Check that out, guys. Good stuff. There, we got to go to the all-chirp team, Trevor. We got to be able to pick these guys. Oh, yeah, let get, me pull this up. I mean, we got to get the baddest in the business, right? I mean, we're talking about guys who, who run their mouth, and there really isn't. I don't think there was a quarterback, really. But one thing I've noticed about Patrick Mahomes is not only will he chirp at the opposing players, he'll chirp at his teammates' ears if they mess up, too. I've seen him, you know, somebody runs the wrong route or blows a protection or something like that. He'll get up and he'll tell him about it, man. I mean, he tells you when you do the good things too, but he's a take charge type of guy on the field. He does a little bit of chirping. I don't know how much chirping he does in terms of he's like on the field to a, to opponents and stuff. It was hard to find a quarterback for this team. I got to, yeah, I guess I, I don't know. Really, I don't really have another quarterback guy. Yeah. Um, quarterbacks are kind of, kind of what they are, but for my running back for the all chirp team, I'm gonna go with Alvin Kamara because Ooh. there are times when you kind of like, you know he has the, he has the long run into the end zone on that one uh, on one of his clips where he goes up to the camera and like smiles his gold teeth right in the camera. That's like a famous shot that we've seen from him before. And uh, in a Vanderbilt game when he's when he's bouncing off tackles, 
he steps in the end zone. And his first step, he just turns around and looks at the guy who's laying on the ground next to him. He just stares at him, you know. So I gotta <laughs> like I gotta think, you know. We don't have these dudes mic'd up, so it's all kind of speculation. But I gotta think, Alvin Kamara lets you know uh, when he suns you. So yeah, Fournette tried to like fight some coach, didn't he? Or some coach tried to fight. Him, oh yeah, he's like I'm suiting oh, up, man. Yeah. <laughs> Forget it, I'm suiting up for this game. And that was so, against Florida. Yeah, he's 100 percent on there. Uh, Juju, Juju has my favorite play of all time in college football history, I think, because he's running down the sideline with the no, football no question. and he says, he, there's a cornerback coming toward him and he says, come get it, son. Like, come get it. I'm, I'm about to, and he just freaking throws this dude out of bounds. It was one of the most brutal plays I've seen, man. He plays with an edge. I love that about Juju, man. He, he's vicious. He's, he's, he's probably he's the old, captain, right? He probably like, he's got, I mean, he's got to be captain at least. Yeah. yeah. I mean. He's nasty. Our Darius Stewart had some had some for real chirp sessions at Alabama uh, and did some nice things. Ryan Switzer will talk some smack, dude. Like, I mean, he knows that he's okay. a good route runner. He'll set you okay. up. He'll talk some smack. Florida State DBs. Oh, they got it, man. He was telling them what was up. Yeah, and Florida State DBs, they they can talk, and I I do love yeah, that about Florida true. State DBs is that they'll uh, Marquez they're very White should probably be on there. He can talk to people on Twitter too that that say he's and not it, a good player. Dude, that's why Jalen Ramsey was so like it's so easy to like Jalen Ramsey as right. a defensive back because oh, yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm better than you. They're oh, like, yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, like it's not even a question. I'm right. not even talking to you about it. I'm already right. better than you. Uh, tight end, I guess David Joku, right? I mean Miami. You gotta have, you gotta have, a, you really do have to play, have a swagger to oh, play yeah. Miami, and it's not just you know old, old school the U swagger, although some of it is, but like these dudes are just bred to be confident, and right. when you're when you're the tallest, biggest, most athletic dude on the field, uh, yeah, you're gonna be the most confident. So I gotta go with Njoku for tight end. Yeah, no question. <sighs> Only one Garrett Bowles. I was doing. I mean, I don't even know if he chirps. He just smashes your soul every snap. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he really talks about it or if he needs to, what he does in the, you know, his play style is, is a chirp. It's just one big chirp. That's just, I mean, the dude put people on the ground every single game, multiple times. He's nasty. Um, defensively, Ryan Anderson, Tack McKinley, Vince Beagle will chirp, man. He kicked George Kittle's tail. Vince Beagle kicked George Kittle's tail in that game, and he told him about it the whole game, man. (laughs) He was in his ear and Kittle was just walking away and, Beagle has swagger. And if you talk to him off the field, you never guess it, man. Like, nicest, most down-to-earth dude. Like, will take time and really give stuff to me in, in, in interviews and stuff like that. He's just really forthcoming. But, dude, on the field, man, it's all business. He's there to chirp. Um, God, I just had somebody in my head, and I totally forgot. Come back to me. I'll tack? remember it. Was it Tack? No, no, no. I mean, like, Tack's awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh Malik McDowell. Oh, Malik yeah. McDowell's got to talk <laughs> some serious crap, right? Yeah. I mean – just like from who he is and like not saying listen like we're not saying that this is a bad thing like when you're on the all chirp team it's a good thing oh, like you is, want these are guys that all moved up our board because of this. you want football players who have an edge and so uh malik mcdowell might let his edge get carried away a little bit times we've heard but I, I can imagine that malik mcdowell will just go um all right i'm lined up against the center i just beat you offensive guard starts talking to him he beats him tackle starts talking to him he just goes yo i just beat your two other interior linemen mm-hmm. so like what are you going to do about it you know so Oh, yeah. That's kind of what that's kind of what I imagine with Malik McDowell. He'd be my defensive guy or my defensive line guy. Secondary's got a lot of guys. You could probably think of dudes that I th- I said to Trey White because I thought on tape he looked like a chirper. I said to him down in India, I said, you know, you're 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 a chirper. He's like, no, I don't really talk. 
at all. He said, I don't know where you heard that. And he was serious. And so I was like, all right, maybe. So I took him off the team. I guess he's not on there. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, man. Oh, yeah, he's going to talk. He's going to talk your ear off. Uh, Tankersley, he'll let you hear about it. Uh, yeah. Rasul Douglas, dude, when we were in really? Mobile. Oh, my God. Really? He missed it in Mobile. He Every single play, he was talking smack on the other team. And, you know, oh. even his teammates, he, he yelled at, I think it was Connor Harris or somebody for stealing an interception from him. And, I mean, he was just – he's always running his mouth, man. He's a chirper to the max. Love now that I, about Rasul. Now, now i got to move him up. I already love Rasul Douglas. But, like, if he's if he's the all-chirp guy, then oh, I'm going to move yeah. him up. Just from, just from a Florida he perspective. He might be the defensive captain, to be honest. He's... T- Tease Tabor will let you know. You oh, know, he'll, yeah. He'll let you know. Um, and then who's the other one down here? Oh, DeMonte Casey. DeMonte yeah. Casey will let you know. He's he's just very confident. He'll, he'll come up and hit sticky, too, and he'll be like, oh, yeah, you thought I was just going to play off. Nah. No, you're gonna have to get into it today. So yeah, Jamal Adams is obviously one of the leaders in this conversation too. Uh, he's yes. a little more mature about it, maybe I, I guess, which is kind of a buzzkill to be honest. But no, I, I really, <laughs> I, I think Adams really, yeah, he'll get in your ear consistently. I love that about his game. Who so is that, um? Who's the who's the North Carolina kicker? Oh, dude, yes, Weller? I have Weller? no idea what him? his name is with the long hair. Yeah, I think dude made a what was it? How long was that field goal? Fifty some yards, and he did the seminal chop to the Florida State fans. Most gangster move ever. He has a special place in my heart forever as a Florida fan. So, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, he's the best kicker of all time. He is. (laughs) (laughs) He. We have to mention him. So, legend. That's it, man. That's the all chirp team. You guys heard it here first. Uh, Move all those guys up your board, and you'll have a successful pre-draft process and and a successful eventually unveiling of how these guys play uh, in the hold NFL on. because of it hold on hold on i just gotta i got the kicker list in front of me to look up nick's name there's a kicker from georgia georgia southern whose name is young ho Koo. no way <laughs> i unless unless brugler and the cbs dudes are fooling me that's what this guy's name young is. young ho Koo. we yes. haven't talked about kickers and punters at all we may need to we also got to get to like best names in the draft. So we got to do that next week. So much to do. So little time, man. We'll be back next week to talk more NFL draft. Um, We've got an awesome show. Actually, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell the people we're doing rounds one, two, and three mock draft simulation. What we would do on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Thursday morning, we're dropping bold predictions. We're going to make a little longer on this episode. We're going bold, bold predictions for the draft in general, like five each or something like that. And we're dropping a first round, what we think will happen. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you've got what we would do, mock drafts, uh, going through rounds one, two, and three. And then Thursday morning, we drop, this is what's going to happen in the draft. We're going to get right, be right on all 32 picks. And <laughs> the rest is history. That's the way it's going to go down. So make sure you're checking out uh, us uh, next week uh, for those shows. As always, thanks so much for listening. Do me a favor, though. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review. Be honest about it. Tell us how much we suck. If you like a couple things, tell us that they're great. But be honest. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Only five stars, please. Um, and uh, just <laughs> Be, on, be yeah. honest. Be but honest. Only five. But give us five stars, even though we don't deserve it. And, um, yeah, just let us know what you think about the show. Uh, Give us some love on iTunes. um, And, uh, yeah, so leave your feedback. So, as always, thank you guys so much for listening to Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. And keep it locked right here moving forward.